service. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. Just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we are talking, of course, about Jane Mansfield, Satanism and celebrities, hot noir in the summertime, plus my recommendations in your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right into Jane Mansfield. Jane Mansfield, one of the Hollywood leading sex pots of the 1950s and the 1960s. Uh, Some said that uh, Jane Mansfield lived in Marilyn Monroe's shadow. Uh, Like Marilyn, Jane modeled for Playboy magazine. Like Marilyn, Jane Mansfield played the uh, dumb, ditzy blonde role up to a T. Uh, I would I would add there that she didn't do it as well. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, Jane Mansfield was her own person. Uh, she made movie history, of course, when she performed in the first major nude scene in a Hollywood film. She lived for exhibitionism in the course of nine months from September 1956 to May of 1957. Newspapers, OK, newspapers ran 2,500 photographs of her. That's uh, not even a year's time. That's a lot of photos. And when you see Jane Mansfield in the context of the 1950s, you can see why. Uh, As you'd imagine, there's crazy stories about the life of Jane Mansfield, not least of which is her grisly death, which may or may not have happened the way you may or may not think it happened. But you can hear more about that in the episode. What intrigued me most or not most, well, I don't know, what intrigued me a lot, I should say, about Jane Mansfield's life and her story was her relationship with a guy named Anton LaVey, okay? Uh, A lot of you going to know who that is, Anton LaVey. He founded the Church of Satan. Jane Mansfield and Anton LaVey being friends, this seems uh, very strange that they were hanging out, but but they were, trust me, it's 100% true. Anton LaVey, like I said, founded the Church of Satan in 1966, not not really as a means to worship Satan, which is a common misperception. Anton LaVey was a hustler, a uh, this guy, P.T. Burnham of the underworld, and the Church of Satan was a grift. It was a hustle. It was, you know, about Anton LaVey creating a career for himself more than anything else, I think, anyways. That's my opinion. And for those of you who don't know, the Church of Satan is about worshiping the self. It's about greed and selfishness, okay? So-called, quote-unquote, freedom, but really, and of course, sexual freedom, but really, it's about it's about doing what you want at the expense of whatever the fuck. Screw everybody else. When you get right down to it, that's what Satanism is. It's kind of the opposite of Christianity. It's less about... Uh, you know, doing for your neighbor and more about, like I said, doing whatever the hell you want. But really, as far as Anton LaVey was concerned, it was about nothing other than Anton LaVey. And uh, Jane Mansfield, 
and Anton LaVey had this mutually beneficial relationship. The relationship happened at a time when they both needed each other. Anton LaVey needed attention for his new church, and Jane Mansfield gave it to him, even though she was sort of on the back nine of her career. And because she was on the back nine of her career, she needed attention. Uh, she was slipping out of the public's eye, slipping out of public favor. And as you can expect, things got weird. Okay, like the time when Jane's son wound up in the hospital with life-threatening injuries after he stuck his head inside of a lion's mouth at a zoo. Jane Mansfield asked Anton to come and cast a dark magic spell to help her kid survive. This shit happened, okay? It's incredible. It sounds ridiculous, and it's actually true. Listen to the episode. Um, the kid, Jane Mansfield's kid, pulled through, okay? I'm not saying Satan helped out, but, you know, Anton LaVey, man. Uh, this got me thinking. You guys might know more about this than I do. What other celebrities were notable Satanists or found themselves mixed up in Satanism or the occult? Now, I don't think Jane Mansfield was an actual Satanist. I don't even think Anton LaVey was an actual Satanist. Like, I don't think he actually believed that deep down. Um, nonetheless, he ran a Satanic church. Jane Mansfield affiliated herself with the Satanic church. So you do a little bit of research into this, and you come up with some remarkable names uh, when, you, when you search the Church of Satan. Sammy Davis Jr., Rat Pack, incredibly talented entertainer, incredibly talented musician, an actor, friend, of course, of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, like I said, member of the Rat Pack. In his autobiography, Sammy's autobiography, he claims that, yes, he dabbled in Satanism, uh, but mostly it was about sex for him um, and the sexual kinks that Satanism afforded him. There's also this crazy rumor about the Eagles and their song Hotel California about how it's actually about the Church of Satan. I don't believe any of this, by the way, about how it's actually about the Church of Satan and that uh, Anton LaVey himself is lurking inside of the uh, Hotel California album Gatefold cover. Uh, not to mention, there's also a theory that if you play Hotel California backwards, you hear Satan. He hears this. He had me believe. Satan. He hears this. He had me believe. Um, yeah, nuts. Not true. I don't think. Kind of fucking wacky, wackadoo stuff. Uh, and then, of course, uh, on the on the complete opposite end of that, on the non-wackadoo side of the scale, there's the whole Norwegian black metal scene that said that the Church of Satan uh, was actually... <laughs> was actually too humane and that their version of Satanism uh, was much more extreme and therefore dark and evil as it for sure was. And I get into this uh, in great detail in our Disgraceland episode on Norwegian black metal. And of course, I took a lot of shit from some folks who um, claimed that I didn't know what I was talking about, that it was all a gag to the, to the metalheads from Norway. And, you know, of course... Part of it is a gag. I knew that when I was writing that episode, when I was researching it. Gag is, is the wrong word. You know, did those musicians actually believe in Satan? Um, I don't think so. But the element of Satanism or the element of evil, and those are two, th those are both the same thing, Satan, the concept of Satan and the concept of evil. Uh, that was very real for those members of that Norwegian black metal scene. And they did push things in a very real way with very real consequences where people died, where churches were burned, where innocent people were injured, hurt, killed. Um, and, you know, 
That is a far cry from Jane Mansfield hanging out with Anton LaVey. So the question I ask you guys is I bet, you know, you've got Roman Polanski in the late 60s with Rosemary's Baby, and he's really fucking with Satanism there uh, in that film and the script for that film and in the production of that film. I bet that given how every, not everybody, but sort of, you know, the 19, late 1960s and the 1970s were this time where everybody kind of had a shtick. You know, culture was about having a thing that you were into, the next thing. Everybody was into the next thing. It's not all that different from right now. But this is when Satanism, the Church of Satan, had come, was coming along. And I bet you if we did a little digging, we could find a bunch of uh, notable people, if not celebrities, although I think celebrities as well, who got mixed up in Satanism to some degree. Names that would surprise us. Uh, and I'm interested to know who those names are. So the question, 617-906-6638. What unlikely entertainers got mixed up with the Church of Satan or just mixed up with Satanism in general? Actors, uh, actresses, I'll even take musicians, just entertainers that we wouldn't necessarily think of. Names like Sammy Davis Jr., names like the Eagles, though I think the Eagles, the Eagles connection is complete bullshit. Um, and of course, name like Jane Mansfield, 617-906-6638. Who else you got? What other artists got caught up in Satanism and or I'll even take the occult. Don't go Manson on me. We've gone too far down that road. Hit me up and let me know. 617-906-6638. I'm back in a Jumpin' Jack Flash. All right, the music connection uh, to this week's Badlands episode here in the Rap Party. The first thing I think of when I think about Jane Mansfield, uh, besides the obvious... (laughs) And uh, when I think of Jane Mansfield in music, the first thing I think about is a movie she made in 1956 called The Girl Can't Help It. I think this is the first time that rock and roll was featured in a major film. This movie, if you have not seen it, it has incredible cameo performances by Little Richard, Eddie Cochran, and Gene Vincent. And if I'm... If I'm not wrong, I think this is sort of the first mainstream introduction of these artists and the genre as a whole to America. Uh, This is, or to the world, I should say. This is allegedly where John Lennon first saw the rock and roll that he would model his life after. Um, He'd only heard it on record up to that point. He'd never actually seen it manifest in the flesh. And by God, if the first thing you're seeing are these sort of live, camped up, uh, filmed performances of Little Richard and Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent, you can imagine just how compelled John Lennon was when he saw this. But this is the movie that did it, the Jane Mansfield movie, The Girl Can't Help It. Major impact on John Lennon and I'm sure so many others. Uh, but of course, Jane Mansfield, like Marilyn Monroe, was a singer as well as an actress. This is an era too. It's a fascinating era of entertainment, the 1950s and the 1960s, where, where it, you know, it was so common that you weren't just an actor and an actress. You would also go and you'd make records and you'd sing and you'd play nightclubs. And entertainment was different. I talked about Sammy Davis Jr. before. If you just look at the sheer talent of that guy because of the way he came up playing and performing from a young age, it's, I don't even know how you equate it 
to the talent that modern artists have. It's completely different. You were expected to do more back then. And boy, oh boy, was Jane Mansfield expected to do more. Like I said, she was an actress, but she was a singer. Sang in a bunch of her movies. Um, 1962, she released an album called Jane Mansfield Bus Up Las Vegas, get it, which was a recording of a Vegas striptease show that she had performed. 1962, right? This is fucking wild. But wildest of all, uh, and I love this tidbit. I love this. Supposedly, Jimi Hendrix played bass, and lead guitar on two songs that Jane recorded a little bit later in 1965, right before Jimi Hendrix got famous when he was making ends meet however he could, session player, doing whatever he could to get by. Uh, this is according to a, a, a book called Black Gold, The Lost Archives of Jimi Hendrix. This unexpected collaboration happened because uh, Jimi Hendrix and Jane Mansfield at the time shared the same manager. Right. Crazy, crazy collaboration, which has been our bread and butter here in the rap party and in uh, in the after party. These crazy collaborations that we've been talking about. And I just got to hit on this real quick. This we 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 asked this question. What were the crazy, <laughs> craziest collabs? And we got stuck on this Dolly Parton, Rob Halford from Judas Priest collaboration. The song that is uh, kind of recent and just uh, reminded me of uh, we talking about Jane Mansfield and, and Jimi Hendrix. Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone from the 1984 film Rhinestone. All right. Is that as weird as Rob Halford in, in Dolly Parton? Uh, I don't think so. That's pretty fucking weird. All right. Let's get into Jane Mansfield's movies real quick before we get to recommendations and your voicemails. All right. 1955, Female Jungle. 1956, uh, The Girl Can't Help It, which I've mentioned already. 1957, Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter? 1957 with Cary Grant, Kiss Them For Me. Uh, 1963, Promises, Promises. Uh, this is the first Hollywood film of the sound era to feature nudity by the mainstream star in the film. Okay, Promises, Promises, right? Jane Mansfield, she's the mainstream star. This has got... <laughs> This has got new. I mean, this is crazy to think. 1963. Uh, you know, she's the poster for the movie has her in a bubble bath that says, "Quote: You read all about her in Playboy magazine. Now see all of Jane Mansfield." They're really selling it there. So I gotta say, I haven't seen all these movies, nor do I plan on seeing them all. I have seen The Girl Can't Help It, and if you have not, just do yourselves a favor and at least watch the musical performances. It's worth it for that. Number one movie from the episode, uh, The Dirty Dozen. Great movie, 1967, directed by Robert Aldrich. Uh, stars, of course, Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, Charles Bronson, John Cassavetes. God, man, what a cast. Number one movie in America on June 29th, 1967. And that, of course, was the day that Jane Mansfield died at the age of 34 in a grisly car wreck that we talk about in the full episode, and that's going to inspire a lot of emails. I can already tell. Um, but emails aside, we do those over in the Disgraceland feed in the uh, mini episodes. But right now, we do some of your voicemails and some of your texts. All right. Now, um, I don't know what it is about this summer. Maybe it's the fact that here in New England... It seems like, well, you know, here north of Boston, I should say, it seems like it has been raining for like 30 days straight. I, I mean, every fucking day it is raining and it's muggy. It's fucking swelteringly sticky and steamy and just one minute you think the rain's going to cool you off and it doesn't. And it's affecting my mood, man. And as it is others, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got psyched to get into this whole summer movie thing. I asked you guys about it, you know, what your favorite summer movies were. I've barely talked about it. I've watched next to no 
summer movies. I've been watching almost all film noir from the 40s and the 50s. Uh, the opposite of sunshiny summer movies. I don't know what's going on, but I, I kind of want to get back into the summer movie vibe. Anyways, let's check out this voicemail from the 540. Play that up, Sean. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I was going to say, uh, best summertime movie is um, National Lampoon's um, Vacation. No brainer. Thanks, man. This is... Okay, National Lampoon's Summer Vacation is the best... Chevy Chase vacation movie. Clearly. I quote it regularly. Good talk, Russ. No one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. I say that at least one, once a week to my wife. She still doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, the Christy Brinkley scene. Iconic. The shitty Lindsey Buckingham song. So bad it's good. Um, but is it one of the greatest summer movies of all time? I appreciate the 5-4-0 leaning and hard on that as their only choice. It might, it, I don't know if it's the greatest of all time. I don't even know if it's on the top 10 list. But we got to get into this. We got to figure this out. The summer is still early. I'm going on a major road trip with my family. Let's figure out what the, what the major summer movies are, okay? We did a little bit of this before. I know, I know, I know. I'm recycling this bit, but it's for because it's because it's been ignored. We kind of got the 4th of July hit. Like I said, the rain hit. It's just been, you know, what 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 is it? Like, I, I don't know. What's the greatest summer movie? Let's get into this. Um, we also talked last time about the greatest movie of all time. This was inspired by, I think, uh, so The Godfather came up. This always inspires me to ask this question. So let's uh, let's play the 614. Hey, Jake. It's Juba Moon from the 614, Columbus, Ohio. Did you say in your disclaimer something about porn? I swear to God that's what I heard. Anyway... Um, that's never happened. But, uh, yeah, in reference to your favorite movie of all time, okay, I'm sorry, besides The Jerk with Steve Martin, one of my favorite movies, which is maybe kind of obscure, is called Shortcuts. It has um, Chris Penn in it. It came out in the in the 90s. And, uh, man, that is a bizarre movie. It really affected me. This is something you may want to check out. So, uh, yeah, rock and roll and um, don't drink cola. Ha, bye. The fact that anyone would name Steve Martin's The Jerk as the greatest movie of all time, even in jest, is so fucking awesome, I don't even know what to say. Uh, I love you, 614. That's my kind of snark and humor there. Uh, Shortcuts, I've seen it. I believe Tom Waits is in it as well, as well as Chris Penn and a whole host of others. Haven't seen it in forever. Thank you for the reminder. I'm going to go back and check that out. Um, Guys, let's talk. You know, I've been, I've been teeing this thing up in the after party over in the Disgraceland feed. I don't know how many of you listened to that show, Disgraceland. I think most of you, or a lot of you. Um, but I haven't teed this up here in the in the Badlands feed. We need to get to know each other better. That's just that's just what we need to do, all right? Hit me up, 617-906-6638. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you're listening from. And I'd love to know what you're into for movies and film, what your tastes are, okay? Just real simple where you're from, introduce yourself, what's your favorite movie of all time, 
favorite actor, favorite actress. Let's start there. We'll move on into the current TV, current movie, game, all that stuff as we go. But just let me understand. This is where I'm coming from. I want to get to know you guys better so that I can better serve you with content. You know, we have consensus on uh, a couple different films or a couple different artists, directors, auteurs, actors, actresses, whatever, uh, that we all love. And, you know, I can go, oh, shit, I, you know, we've never done anything on on that person. Like, duh, I should be doing that. Plus, and perhaps more to the point of why I'm doing this, I'm currently figuring out other content I can make, other series I can make from the world of uh, music, film, and television. And, you know, the, like I said, the more I know what you guys are into, the better I can serve you. All right. So hit me up. 617-906-6638. Introduce yourselves. Let me know what you're into. Leave a voicemail. Send me a text. We'll get into it. All right. Let's do some text. Speaking of text. All right. From the 347 in reaction to last week's Badlands episode on Hugh Grant. 347 says, I have a huge man crush on Hugh Grant. <laughs> Favorite Hugh Grant movies about a boy, Notting Hill, Paddington 2, his cameo in Glass Onion and Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Rock a Rolla. Yeah, I'm with you there on Notting Hill. Glass Onion was great. You're right. That was that was fantastic. Um, the guy just rules. He's like low-key punk rock, and I love that about him. Let's keep moving here. The text. The 250, more on Hugh Grant. Just finished the Hugh Grant episode. Best Hugh Grant movie by far is his first one, Bitter Moon. Check it out from Jan. I've never seen Bitter Moon, Jan, but thanks for putting it on my radar. I need to check that out. Appreciate that. From the 908, hey, Jake, this is Chris from the 908. Was just catching up on some episodes and realized I have not texted you all the important information yet. First off, the Patriot is one of the all-time best television programs. The dark humor is just the right shade. Also, the main protagonist of the show revealed his innermost thoughts in confessional open mic night compositions. I love that. Melding both of our worlds here, man. The uh, music and the film and television. Let's keep rolling here. From the 808, a remake, we asked the question, what remake is better than the original? That's because we were talking about Ocean's Eleven. Uh, which remake is better than the original? And the 808 says, not really a remake, but I find I enjoy Cruel Intentions a lot more than Dangerous Liaisons. Same source material. So does it count? I think it does. Dangerous Liaisons was fucking great. I've never seen Cruel Intentions. I got to watch Dangerous Liaisons again, and then I'll watch Cruel Intentions. And then uh, the 808 goes on to say, then there's always a Star is Born, 1970s versus the first two iterations. Uh, Asterix didn't see Gaga Cooper version, so can't say on that one. I'm going to tell you right now, 808, run to wherever you consume your content and watch the Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born with Lady Gaga. It's uh, one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. De definitely one of the best music films. It's incredible. All right, let's move on here. Hugh Grant prompted some questions about craziest celebrity interactions, and uh, the 618 writes in, Hi, Jake, ignore my first text. Well, okay, I will. And then writes, uh, I think the craziest celeb paparazzi interaction I've ever heard of is when Britney Spears ran over a photographer's foot in 2007 when he stood a bit too close. You are correct. That is pretty crazy, and we just re-released, for those of you who don't know, our two-part Britney Spears episode, which is over the Disgraceland feed. If you have not heard that, what are you waiting for? Get over there, subscribe to Disgraceland, check out our Britney episodes, all right? All right, this episode is running super long. I want to save some time for the recommendations. And uh, 
Yeah, guys, hit me up, 617-906-6638. The main question I want to know is about you. Tell me about you. Tell me what you're into, where you're from, what you're into when it comes to film and television, who your favorite actors are, favorite movies, all that stuff. Just real general stuff. Introduce yourself. Voicemail text 617-906-6638. I give special preference to the voicemails. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back right after this. All right, this is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and the television that we're recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party, a bonus episode. All right, what am I watching? Like I told you before, that hot, sticky summertime noir. Uh, Don't know what it is, but I'm blaming it on the rain, like I said, and... uh, I just watched for the first time. I can't believe I've never seen this before. The Big Sleep by Humphrey Bogart. This is uh, based on the Raymond Chandler book starring his iconic character, Philip Marlowe. Bogart plays Marlowe, of course. Lauren Bacall. I'm not sure if this is where they met and ended up becoming married. Lauren Bacall seems very young in this film. I don't know much about this film. 1946, I think it's from. But it is uh, great with a capital G. If you have not seen it, uh, run. Just run. You know, first, if you haven't seen A Star is Born, watch that. Then go watch The Big Sleep. They have nothing to do with each other, except maybe uh, the chemistry. Humphrey Bogart, by the way, I didn't understand. Like, what? World-class stick man? I don't understand what's going on. It's like every woman in every scene with him is melting. It's crazy in, like, a real way. Like, the chemistry is, like, legit. Everyone, even beyond Bacall, who he ended up marrying. Um, Great movie. Great noir. For those of you who subscribe to the Criterion channel, and this is not a paid thing, this is me just saying this, um, they're running all this uh, noir, English noir. Uh, I have not tapped into the English noir yet. Uh, if anyone has a take on what English noir I need to start with or what sort of the main creative tent poles are of the genre, let me know because I'm at a loss. It's curated on Criterion, but I don't really know where to start. Uh, they're also running this Stanley Kubrick in the 50s uh, a collection on, on the Criterion channel. And speaking of noir, I rewatched The Killing, which I think is Kubrick's first major film, but his second film, Sterling Hayden, a uh, younger Sterling Hayden, younger than when he was in The Godfather. Obviously, that came much later. Uh, just, I've seen this movie now, I don't know how many times, but it's one of the best, one of the all-time best noir movies. And I don't know much about noir. There's people out there who know so much more about this genre than I do, but I can just tell you that The Killing is one of the best. Uh, The best I've seen, I should say. I should qualify with that. Uh, Also, like I said, Kubrick in the 50s, I watched, rewatched Paths of Glory, kind of half-watched it. I was packing up some stuff, getting rid of some clothes the other day, Sunday, cleaning out the closet. And I had this on in the background and just uh, as powerful as I remember it, one of the greatest anti-war statements that you'll ever see on film. Um, you know, it's it's a sad commentary when we're still making anti-war statements, you know, some 70 years later here with All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, and you have to do it, you know, the, the further we get into the further we get into the future, we have to do it with more and more intensity and, and more and more horror. And uh, it just it just when we're going to learn war sucks and we, 
<laughs> you know, we have these these giants of filmmaking uh, reminding us every ten years or so, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, you want to you want to tell me what your greatest anti-war movies are? Six one seven nine zero six 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 three eight. Let me know. Uh, you want to tell me your favorite Kubrick movies? Your favorite Bogart movies? This is the vibe I'm in right now. 50s, 40s, Kubrick, Bogart, that sort of scene. I, I even went back and I rewatched Ocean's Eleven, which, you know, prompt the question, what what's the best movie to watch over and over again? 617-906-6638. I had a period in my life where I watched Goodfellas like every single night. I had a period in my life where I watched Jaws like every single night before I went to bed. Uh, right now, it's, uh, it's Ocean's Eleven, the original. I just find EO11 comforting. I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, so there's a lot of questions there. I, I'm kind of in this 40s, 50s wormhole now. That's where my head's at. Where are you guys at? 617-906-6638 for your movie recommendations. TV as well. Here for the TV. I'm currently not watching anything on TV other than Frasier. Um, love it. You know, unfortunately, you know, for, for Miles, I don't think he's ever going to get with, uh, with uh, what's her name? What's the maid's name? It's not Roz. What's her name? Daphne. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I, I just don't, I don't see it happening for them. Uh, what are you guys watching? Let me know. You can also reach me at Disgraceland Pod on, you know, where Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all the places. Hit me up. All right. Quick break. Back with a recap. All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, the obvious, the Jane Mansfield episode of Badlands is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, a new episode on, on... Roman Polanski, final episode of this season, season seven of Badlands. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got a new episode on New Order available for you right now and a new episode on Merle Haggard coming at you next week. Four, call me, 617-906-6638. We'll get into this Badlands movie conversation. We will keep it going. Number five, I got to split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from The Girl Can help it. Fats. Glad he could come, Miller. Miller. Thanks, Mr. Fats. Murdoch. You can forget the mister. My friends call me Marty. Fats Marty. Miller. Fats Marty? Fats. Ring a bell? Miller. Vaguely. I seem to remember the name. Fats. Vaguely. Vaguely everyone remembers. Miller. My memory isn't the best. Fats. Forget it. Drink? Miller. I got the idea you were hoarding it. Fats. That's Brandy. You're a scotch over the rocks, man. Miller. Didn't want you to make the mistake in the dark. Fats. I know everything about the people I do business with. Except you. Business ain't been so good lately, huh? Miller. As long as you know. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.